Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. So around 1960, uh, there was a man named Kelly Johnson, and he was a lead engineer at Lockheed uh, designing aircraft for the military. So in this, he has a meeting, and they're designing a, a new aircraft, and in this meeting, he brings just a few simple tools, and he's having a meeting with some of the key designers, and he tells them, he says, when you are designing this aircraft, keep this in mind, that this aircraft needs to be simple enough to maintenance and repair that an average, me- an average mechanic can repair this possibly in the middle of a battle. Like, just keep that in mind. It's got to be that simple. And so he came up with this acronym that even after that, the U.S. Navy officially adopted, and we've used it probably a lot uh, since then. And it's this acronym KISS, K-I-S-S, which stands for Keep It Simple Stupid. Now, there is some debate on whether or not he was calling them stupid, right? Uh, Now, so the story goes, he was talking about simple stupid being what they have to fix. You have to make it so simple stupid that any mechanic in a war, in a battle, can fix this, can repair the aircraft. So he wasn't calling anyone stupid or saying anything was stupid. He was saying that has to be keep it simple stupid, okay? So today, we're launching week two of our 21 for 21. We're in 21 days of prayer and fasting for the year 2021, and I hope that you're engaging in this, and I hope that you found some benefit in that. I hope that you've carved out some extra time to spend in prayer and Bible study this week. Uh, If you've been fasting uh, food, hang in there. If you've been fasting, you know, caffeine or sugar, may the Lord help you and bless you, right, in that endeavor. Uh, if you're fasting social media or media, hopefully you've used that extra time uh, wisely and beneficially as we're focusing on spiritual nourishment uh, as opposed to our physical nourishment. So we're starting today as this the beginning of week number two, and it's week number two of our series, uh, 21 for 21. So last week we talked about fasting and what that is and why it's important. Today we're going to talk about prayer, and I'm going to keep it simple stupid, Okay. Now, prayer is something that everybody knows about. Like, even non-religious people know what prayer is. I mean, pretty much every religion or every, you know, faith culture in the history of the world has had some sort of prayer as a component of that movement or worldview. So we know what prayer is. You may even know why it's important. But maybe you know about prayer, but you don't practice prayer. And maybe you have questions about how it works or does it work, or I've tried it and it didn't work, so I'm not going to try it anymore. So maybe there are barriers to prayer that we might try to tackle today, but we are going to keep it simple, stupid. I'm just going to give two points of encouragement to help us to focus in and see the importance of prayer 
in our lives. There is power and importance in prayer. And we've talked about prayer before, but we're emphasizing this uh, in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, why we pray and the power of prayer. Again, two simple yet powerful truths that I think will help us to hone in, especially during the next two weeks as we finish up this 21 days of prayer and fasting. So the first main idea, the first main thought today is a simple one, okay, both of these are very simple, but it's this, that God wants to hear our prayer. God wants to hear our prayer. And with this, there's two ways of seeing and thinking about prayer, and I'll spend most of the time on the first one, but there's a sense of obligation to prayer. You know, I know I should pray. I feel like maybe I should pray more. And so when we say God wants to hear our prayer, there's almost that expectation that we should pray. And that is true. Not only is there an expectation or almost an obligation to prayer that we should do it, but maybe you didn't realize this, our prayers should really look a certain way. So I want to look at that for a few minutes. Here's the statement. I kind of want to flesh it out for a little bit here uh, for part of our time this morning. Here's what effective prayer is, a good definition of that. Our prayers should be about the right things, for the right reasons, in the right way, and at the right time. This is a definition of what I believe is effective prayer. And I'm going to use quite a bit of scripture to explain this so you know that it's not just Stephen's opinion or his personal thoughts on this being true, but this is scripturally based. Effective prayer, scripturally, biblically speaking, is about the right things, for the right reasons, in the right way, and at the right time. So let's tackle this idea as we talk about, again, the idea that God wants to hear our prayer. But as we'll see, there are certain prayers that he does not hear. There are certain prayers that he will not answer. He tells us this, and so we'll explore that for a little bit this morning. So let's tackle the first two kind of together here. Prayers should be about the right things and for the right reasons. This is James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. James, the brother of Jesus, says this, You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. But here's the problem, he says. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. So here's my encouragement. As we understand that God wants to hear our prayer, let me encourage you with this. Don't waste your prayer. Don't waste your prayer. So sometimes we'll pray prayers that we just know God, God's not going to answer. God, make me rich, right? I mean, that would be nice, but that's a wasted prayer. That's a selfish prayer. That's not a prayer that God's really interested. He's not going to spend his time worrying about making you rich. Now, does God want to bless you? Sure. Should you pray for God's blessing on your life? Sure. But again, we talked about motives mattering with fasting last week. They matter as much with prayer. Motives matter. So when I pray, God, bless me, it should be so that I can bless others. Bless me to be a blessing, not so I can store up all these riches, not even so I can have an inheritance for my kids, although that's good and wise and we should do that, but so I can bless others. So that's maybe as as a better prayer. Another prayer, maybe I'm not going to make you raise your hand if you've prayed this or thought this before. God, I hope that they fail so I can succeed, right? I mean, that's awful, but maybe we've been there before. Maybe we, at, a, at, a, at your job, you're like, you know, I really want them to fail so I look better. I want them to not do this so I can do this, you know, that kind of thing. 
uh, and that's just not a good one. But so those are kind of prayers that God's just going to be like, eh, you know, just they're going to bounce right off, okay? Uh, it's like a boomerang. It's going to come back and hit you in the face, that kind of thing. Uh, maybe sometimes we, we, pray, we pray for others but about the wrong things. So, for instance, you might pray, God, would you make them less stubborn, please, right? <laughs> God, would you just fix them, please? And I think a better prayer is, God, would you make me more patient with them, right? So the first kind of prayer, God's not interested in that wrong motives, wrong thing to ask for. So we want to pray for the right things and for the right reasons. So instead it should be, and we'll we'll talk about this more in a minute, is our prayer should be, yes, it should be for others, but really about us. God, fix me. Help me, strengthen me, give me courage and grace for others. I don't want, if you change them, great, awesome, good for them, but it's not for my benefit, it's for theirs. I want you to help me, praying for the right things and for the right reasons. But he also says here, what, what else does James say? He says, you don't have because you don't ask. So in your prayer, don't be timid. Okay, that's another way to waste prayers, So don't be afraid to ask God for the thing that seems impossible. You can pray for God to heal. Well, the doctor said it's, you know, terminal. God can heal, right? He can raise the dead. I'm I'm thinking he can take care of that problem. Well, there's no cure for this disease. Pray anyway, right? Don't waste your prayer. Don't don't just like cast it aside. Well, I don't think God's going to do that. We'll see in a minute. Yes, he can, and yes, I believe he will. You can pray for healing. You can pray for provision. You can pray for that lost cause in your life. You know, God's never going to reach them. They're never going to sense God's presence. They're, they're too far too far gone. They're, they're a lost cause. Pray for God to reach them anyway. Don't waste your prayer. Don't throw it away. Don't think God can't do it. We want to pray about the right things for the right reasons. But we also want to pray in the right way. There's really three ways that I'm going to quickly talk about that here for just a minute. Again, quite a bit of scripture to illustrate the importance of this. We want to pray in the right way. And the first correct way to pray is humbly. So last week we looked at this idea in Matthew where Jesus talks about when you fast, do it in the right way. Same passage, he's talking about prayer here though. Matthew 6 verse 5, Jesus says this, when you pray, so again there's this obligation we should pray, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is the reward, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. So we, don't, we want to pray humbly. We don't want to pray to show off. I learned this new theological word. I'm going to use it in our prayer group, you know, to see if anyone notices. Whoa, what is that word? Whoa, you've been studying. No, that's not, that's not the point of prayer. We don't pray to feel holy. But that's not, that's not really the point. Now, you may, and that's an okay benefit to feel closer to God in that, but that's not the point. We don't pray to humble brag. Well, the other day I was in my, three, my third hour of quiet time with God, and then he spoke to me audibly. It's like, no, 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 no. That's, now, if you have three hours of quiet time with God, that's amazing. 
what's your secret? How do you do that? You know, uh, but that the point is not to then tell every now if God does give you a word of insight and it's for someone share it with them. That's great. I'm not saying don't tell anyone that you pray. That's not again with fasting. We're not saying don't lie to people. You haven't been eating lunch lately. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, just whatever. You can tell them you're fasting. It's fine. Same thing with prayer. It, you can tell people that you pray it's probably a good thing to tell them, especially that you're praying for them, okay? So don't misunderstand the point. And also he says here, it's not about babbling on and on, okay? Prayer is not a magical spell, okay? Prayer is not an incantation. It's not a secret password. It's not if I get the right words in the right order at the right time, magically God will hear me and God will respond. That's not what it is. Now, what, it, what is prayer? We'll save that for a little bit later. We'll talk about that in a minute. So we're going to pray about the right things for the right reasons in the right way. The second way that is the right way to pray is with a clear conscience. This is a big one. This is Jesus again, Mark eleven twenty five. Jesus says, but when you're praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. It also reminds me of the, in the Lord's Prayer. What is part of that? The part of the Lord's Prayer is, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's this reciprocal nature of forgiveness included in the model of prayer. How we approach others matters. How we treat others matters, even in the effectiveness of our prayer. John, in his in 1 John chapter 4, he says, How can you say that you love God whom you can't see and have never seen, yet you hate your brother whom you can see? He says those two things don't go together. Now let me encourage you with this. God is not looking for prayer from perfect people. So are you going to have things that you struggle with and wrestle with? Yes. Does that mean that until I get my act together, God's not going to hear and answer my prayer? No, but I do think, going back to what we mentioned earlier, I think it does have more to do with sort of the focus of our prayer. So God's not looking for perfect people to pray, but he is looking for uh, people who are like, okay, God, work on me. I'm not going to ask you to fix them. Investigate my heart. You know, the psalm says, uh, test me and try me and seek, see my heart, O God, and see if there be any, any wicked way in me. Our prayer time is not, God, they are wicked, help them, fix them. Our prayer is, God, I'm wicked, I'm fallen, I'm sinful, help me. God, not that they're weak, strengthen them. Maybe you, that's okay in some cases, but God, I'm weak, strengthen me. God, do your work in me. So again, we pray for others, yes, but the focus of our prayer with a clear conscience is really about us. God, help me, fix me. So that's the right way to pray. The third correct way biblically to pray is, we're going back to James here, the, the correct way to pray, the right way to pray is in faith. This goes back to sort of not wasting your prayer. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, James gives more instruction. As much as, as I've studied this the last few weeks, I've real, I never realized how much James talks about prayer. He talks about prayer a lot because I'm using him three times here in this one sermon about prayer. So James chapter 1, verse 5, James says, if you need wisdom... Ask our generous God. You can even use the word pray there. Pray to our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. 
For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Do you know anyone who always asks for advice and never takes it? You ever been there before, maybe? You, you really need advice on something, and you get the perfect answer. That's what I've been looking for. And yet, in your stubbornness, you do your own thing anyway. Why do we do that? I think that is what James is getting at in prayer. See, sometimes in prayer or through prayer, God does give us the answer we're looking for, but we're not completely satisfied with that answer. We don't like his response. We don't understand his way or that direction. And so we just do whatever we're going to do anyway. That's called wasting your prayer. That is not praying in the right way. That's not praying in faith, really. Because not only is it that I believe God's going to do something through my prayer, that he's going to answer my prayer, but that I'm going to be an active participant in seeing that through in many cases. So sometimes your prayer is not that God's going to do something, but he's going to have you do something. He's going to give you the next step that you're seeking, but you have to take that step. He's going to give you the right decision to make, but you've got to pull the trigger and make the right decision as he gives it. That's part of praying in faith. It's not, I believe that you'll do it, I believe that you'll do it, but that when you give the answer, I'll still believe. Through faith, that's where James really talks about faith and works go together, and that's true in prayer. So we want to pray, God, I don't know why you said this, but I'm going to trust you. I don't know why you're leading me in this direction, but I'm going to follow you. I don't really care for the method in which I feel like you want to work here, but I'm going to just go with it. That's how we should pray. That's effective prayer. That's praying the right way is, is praying in faith. So again, our prayer should be about the right things for the right reasons, in the right way, and at the right time. This is the easy one, guys, okay? This is the easy one. When's the right time to pray? Always. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. That's a, that three-letter word is a big word. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. There is never a wrong time to pray. He says, never stop praying. Now, uh, if you're praying while you're driving, keep your eyes open, please, okay? Uh, but you don't have to pray in a certain position or at a certain time of the day or on a certain day of the week. You can go to God anytime, which we'll look at here more closely in just a minute. Uh, you also don't just have to pray when you're in a bind either. You could pray when your life's good sometimes. I mean, God probably wants to hear, hey, God, thanks for this great day I'm having. Thanks for this great month I had. Thank you that all that happened in 2020, I'm here in 2021. Like, God wants to hear those prayers too, not just God help me, not God I'm freaking out. 
God, I'm desperate. That pray in those times, but not only in those times. Don't use prayer as this, you know, emergency pull here, smash the glass in case. That's not, that's not what prayer is designed to be. There's never a wrong time to pray. So let's always have sort of that attitude of prayer. God wants to hear our prayer. So with that, Again, is this sense of obligation we should pray, and there are right ways and there are wrong ways to pray. There are effective ways and there are ineffective ways to pray, yes. So there is that idea of obligation, but also quickly with this first idea is, is the idea that prayer is also an opportunity. It's not simply an obligation, but it's an opportunity. Ephesians 3.12, Paul writes this, Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Here's the power of prayer, or part of the power of prayer. Prayer gives you and gives me direct access to God because of what Christ has done and because of our faith in Him. We have direct access to God. So in the Old Testament, in the temple where they would worship, in the very back of the temple was a really small little room called the Holy of Holies, right? And that's where God's presence would come strongly. But there was no direct access to this holiest place. That's like the holiest place on the planet is this small little room in the back of the Jewish temple, the Holy of Holies. There was this huge curtain that cut off access to this room. And only the high priests of Israel, only on certain holy days and times, could enter this room. Anyone else who attempted at any other time to enter that room was struck dead. But the Bible tells us that when Jesus was on the cross shedding his blood, after he breathed his last breath and died, that supernaturally this curtain in the temple tore from top to bottom. This symbolized that now through Christ, you and I have direct access to God. No middleman is required. Now, you can ask people to pray for you. The Scripture is clear on that. That's absolutely true. But we are not dependent upon anyone else to pray for us. I can go directly to the creator of the universe myself. You, through prayer, can go directly to the creator of the universe yourself anytime about anything. That's amazing. That's power. God wants to hear our prayer. But it gets even better. The second part today, the second thing that is even more simple is that God wants to answer our prayer. Not only does God want to hear our prayer, He wants to answer our prayer. I will say, however, we want to be careful with this. So I saw this on Facebook, and it applies perfectly with what we're talking about today. It's this, this uh, comic of a church sign outside of the church, and it says, Church notice, please do not leave your purse, watch, handbag, mobile phone, husband, wife, boyfriend, or girlfriend unattended. Others may think it's an answer to their prayers. So just because you find a wallet full of cash doesn't mean that God's answered your prayer. It could mean somebody has misplaced their wallet, okay? So we want to be careful about how God answers our prayers. But God wants to answer our prayers. 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. 
So we've just established the power of prayer as we have access to God. But sometimes we have access to people and we bother them, right? We're a bother to them. They're like, I wish they didn't have access to me. I wish I had a lock on my door. I wish that they didn't have that privilege. God is not that way. God is not annoyed by our access to him. He's not like, you again? Didn't you just come to me yesterday about the same stuff? What is wrong with you? He's not like that at all. There's a story that in the early days of email, the New Yorker magazine, I don't know if it was accidentally or not, they put Bill Gates's personal email address in an article. So within a short time, his inbox had over 5,000 emails, many of them from random people who had read the New Yorker magazine. And so he had, this was, again, in the early days. So as far as we know, there was no built-in software to filter emails. He just had an inbox full of thousands of emails. So he had to design some of the first software himself for his email to filter out all of these randos who had read the New Yorker the week or the month before. Can I encourage you that God wants to hear and answer your prayer? He doesn't filter out prayers. He doesn't say, uh, yeah, them again, delete, them again, delete, that again, delete, uh, not a big enough deal, delete. Like he doesn't, he doesn't filter our prayers like an email inbox. He wants to answer our prayers. There's no spam prayer that he's just going to ignore. What Peter tells us here is that God cares about you. God cares about what you care about because God cares about you. Can I go one step further and just maybe think that God might even care more than you do about your life, about your situation, about your needs? I believe God cares even more sometimes, most of the time, maybe all the time, than even we do. He cares about the big things and the little things. That should increase our desire to pray, to know that we don't bother Him. We don't annoy him. We don't get on his nerves, but he's ready, willing, and able to answer. And then it gets one step further. One more scripture is this. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, Paul says, Now to him who is able, that's the word there, okay? He is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So it's not just that God wants to hear your prayer. It's not just that God wants to answer your prayer. It's that God has all power and ability to actually answer your prayer. I believe that as we focus on prayer, I believe God wants to blow your mind. I believe he wants to exceed your expectation. He says he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, above our wildest dreams and imaginations. That's the kind of power that God possesses. This should increase, again, our desire to pray, and I hope it would increase our faith when we pray. I'm not praying to an idol that is just going to sit there and look back at me. Okay? I'm not praying to a God who is dead, 
or a God who was invented or a God who's never existed. I'm praying to the literal creator of all things, the one who is eternal, the one who knows from before the beginning and knows after the end, a God that we can even begin to understand or imagine in our wildest dreams. He has all power to answer our prayer. So you can go to him confidently knowing that he wants to hear and answer your prayer. Let me go one step further even than that quickly. Sometimes, well, not sometimes, here's the thing. God wants to answer your prayer, but here's another word. God wants to use your prayer. There's a term, I read this a few months ago, and I saved it for this occasion. There's this term we don't really use a lot in our church circles that much. Uh, It's called means of grace. It's this idea that there are certain things that God uses to work in our lives. There are certain mechanisms or things that God uses to work in the world. Prayer is one of these things. Prayer is a means of grace. So why that's important is because that means God wants to use your prayer to accomplish his work in the world. Okay? God wants to use your prayer to accomplish his work in the world. Your prayer has power. Another verse I didn't put up here, but it's from James, James chapter 5, verse 16. James says that the prayer of the righteous person has great effect, great power. Again, let me say that, let me say this again. Maybe you've never thought of this before. God wants to not just hear your prayer, not just answer your prayer, but God wants to actively use your prayer as a vehicle, as a tool to do his work in the world. Your prayer, not just pastor's prayer, right? Not just really holy people's prayer, if you don't think you're that whole. He wants to use your prayer to accomplish his work in the world. That's power. That's the power at work within us is in this prayer. So we want to use we want to use prayer effectively because we know it has great power. So as we close today, let me give you two kind of next steps or two ways to think about and apply prayer every day in your life. Now that we've seen that God wants to hear prayer, God wants to answer prayer, God wants to use prayer. Okay, so what what do I do? What's what do I need to know? Here's two things as we close today. Two reminders about prayer. Number 1, Remember to make time for prayer. Again, I told you it was going to be simple, stupid today, guys. Okay, nothing I've said has probably blown your mind. This is not going to blow your mind either. We should remember to make time for prayer. But hopefully, maybe today has kick-started that. As we see the access we have to God and the power that our prayer potentially has to affect change in the lives of others and in the plans of the world, we should then say, yeah, I better carve out some time to do that. I need to make some time in my schedule, in my day, in my week, in my life to access that kind of power. So we need to carve out that time. Maybe we have to replace one thing with prayer. Maybe that's where this 21 days of prayer and fasting might kickstart that rhythm of prayer in your life. If maybe it hasn't been a regular one. Well, now that I've got this, I've been praying for three weeks in this time. I'm just going to keep doing that. Like after, you know, January 30th, you can keep doing that same prayer schedule. You don't have to stop just because we're done with these three weeks. Uh, We make it a part of your calendar, a part of your rhythm, a part of your life. We want to make time for prayer. And then the second reminder about prayer as we close is remember that prayer is a conversation. Conversation. Two ways. 
don't simply make prayer your wish list or your complaint department session. Don't make prayer one-sided, but expect a response. Maybe that's foreign to you. Maybe that's new to you. What do you mean? God wants to talk to me? I mean, maybe he'll actually talk to you. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be worth waiting around for to hear that? But really, I think what, what that means is we want to learn to wait on God in prayer. So what, I think what we tend to do is, God, do this, do this, help me this, do that. Uh, would you, could you do that? Amen. And we're done. I would encourage you to wait for some sort of response in your heart and your spirit, right? Maybe even just a couple of minutes, just to kind of calm your spirit, calm your mind. And I'm talking about like Eastern meditation here, guys. So don't don't be like going, Pastor Stephen said, meditate. No, 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 not that kind of meditation, okay? We want to maybe just calm ourselves to hear what God may want to say. Maybe he's going to drop a scripture in your heart in that moment that's going to get you through the day. Maybe he's going to give you a next step. Hey, you're going to see this person at work today. Go like talk to them. They are lonely. They are frustrated, whatever, you know. And, but then, not only then in that prayer time, but I think this goes back to that prayer, pray without ceasing, never stop praying. We always sort of want to have our spiritual antenna up. So as we pray, then we're more sensitive to what God may want to say to us during the day. He might drop us a certain uh, thought in your heart in the middle of it. I'm not even praying right now, but I'm sensitive to God's spirit. So he's going to say something that's going to encourage me or someone else. I may not even be praying in the moment for wisdom, but as I'm in the middle of that situation I prayed about earlier, maybe in that moment he's going to give me clarity on what to do right then because I prayed about it and I'm listening and waiting for him to respond. God does want to talk back. He wants to respond. And if we give him the time, he will. So I hope that we choose to make prayer a regular part of our rhythm, a regular part of our lives, because prayer really does have divine purpose And it really does have supernatural power. And I need that, and I'm sure you need that. And so as we make prayer a priority, we can see God do some amazing things in and through our lives.